Hey there, how are you doing? I'm Vishnu and welcome to my podcast. So today we're going to discuss about what to expect from your physical therapist. First, do subscribe to my channel and hit the like button on this episode. Let's begin. In the realm of physical therapy, there has been a silent revolution. You could go to five different physical therapists for an injury in the early 2000s and receive five different treatment strategies. Some might have suggested muscle strengthening activities or traditional therapies like heat and cold packs. Others may have used voodoo treatments such as ultrasound, lasers, and electrotherapy, despite the fact that doctors were unsure how, or if, they worked. Many of those treatments have now been abandoned as scientific evidence has emerged that they do not speed up healing. However, because the discipline has battled with a lack of standardization and a lasting reputation for pseudoscience, patients may still encounter them in some places. Take, for example, ultrasonography. Since the 1950s, high-frequency sound waves have been utilized in physical therapy to treat everything from back discomfort to ankle sprains, with the goal of speeding up the healing process. Ultrasound's efficacy was discredited as early as the 1990s, with few studies indicating any clinical benefit, yet it took over 20 years for the technology to lose favor with practitioners. Over the last 15 years, leaders in the physical therapy sector have sought to improve standards and consistency in order to shed this stigma. They've created ways to assess and classify injuries, as well as therapy protocols based on scientific study. Originally, physical therapy relied heavily on the application of heat and ice to relieve pain and promote recovery. Practitioners have also been fast to adapt technology such as laser therapy, which is said to travel through the skin and cells to boost energy generation in the mitochondria, the cell's powerhouse, and speed up healing. However, the effect of a medication on a cell in a petri dish does not always translate to a patient in the clinic. The most recent, and, according to some, most conclusive, trial on the procedure found no advantage above a placebo. Over the last two decades, research and meta-analyses, such as the one on ultrasonography, have shown that passive therapies, in which patients lie down on a table and have a therapy performed on them, are ineffective. They can even delay down healing in some circumstances. Ice, for example, has long been used to minimize swelling after an injury by restricting nearby blood vessels, preventing blood and inflammatory cells from reaching the injured tissue. However, those blood and inflammatory cells are an important component of the healing process, and limiting them with a cold pack or ice bath might cause recovery to be delayed or even prevented. Active exercise-based therapies are both less expensive and more effective than passive exercise-based therapies when examined side by side. Exercise can be just as effective as surgery in some cases. After six months, there was no difference between patients who had surgery and those who used active physical therapy in a study of 350 meniscal tear patients. Another study is looking into whether the same is true for partial rotator cuff injuries. Instead, good old-fashioned exercise has emerged as a clear winner after decades of research, whether it's used to treat low back pain, frozen shoulder, or knee ligament damage. The literature on exercise therapies for individuals with cardiovascular disease, diabetes, orthopedic difficulties, fibromyalgia, neuromuscular diseases, falls, frailty, and obesity is extensive. Most physical therapists nowadays understand that treatments should include exercises to increase strength and flexibility, as well as ergonomic changes to people's work or training routines to prevent future injuries. However, some practitioners maintain that passive therapies have a role in physical therapy and that they are still taught in doctoral programs. James Yergong, chair of the University of Pittsburgh's physical therapy department, said he's not surprised there's still a disconnect between what data reveals is successful and what some clinical practices do. 
In the medical field, it takes an average of 17 years for research to reach the clinic. As a result, most of the focus in physical therapy now, according to Dr. Irgong, is on implementation, how do we convince practitioners to follow the best available evidence? He believes that education is the key to finding a solution. Dr. Irgong, who was the president of the Academy of Orthopedic Physical Therapy at the time, assisted in the development of guidelines in the form of a report card for common diagnostic and treatment approaches used by physical therapists, based on the best scientific evidence, in 2006. After an ACL rupture, certain techniques, such as practicing exercises to enhance quadriceps strength, get an A. Others, such as employing electrotherapy to relieve plantar fasciitis ill pain, receive a D. What to expect from physical therapist? So, how can you know if your physical therapist is using the most up-to-date research? The physical therapist will assess your symptoms, level of pain, how you move, and your limits in range of motion, strength, and balance during your first session. That will serve as the foundation for a diagnosis. This is not a medical diagnostic. The physical therapist is interested in finding out what is restricting the function of your knee, for example, through muscular weakness or joint stiffness. This initial meeting, according to Dr. Moffat, is an excellent moment to decide whether you want to work with the physical therapist. What the therapist does with their initial evaluation is the most significant thing, she said. Do they actually take the time to look into what's going on and then figure out what's best for that patient? Following the examination, they should prescribe a treatment that is evidence-based and based on clinical practice guidelines, but it should also be tailored to your specific constraints and goals. It should also be active, with strengthening and stretching activities incorporated. Because the process can be uncomfortable, it's critical for the physical therapist to be sympathetic and open about what your treatment will entail. The fact that you like or dislike your practitioner can have a significant impact on how you perceive the outcome. Patients consistently assess their physical therapists depending on how much they like them as people, not on whether or not they got better, according to one meta-analysis. Find another place to go, Dr. Gordon said if you find yourself in a clinic where passive therapies like heat packs or ultrasound appear to be the main approach to treatment. Those treatments may be effective in lowering pain or inflammation for a short period of time. However, they are not curative in and of themselves. They are used in conjunction with treatment. This method of physical therapy doesn't involve lasers, cry compression pants, or whatever the latest fat is, and it necessitates patient effort, but it works. Dr. Gordon, who has been practicing physical therapy for over 40 years, said, I think we're enhancing what we do, but I think it's an evolution. It's not flashy, but incremental, evidence-based progress is having an impact. It's not a brand new robotic technology. It's difficult to get it on the 7 p.m. news. However, it is a true healthcare revolution. Hope you like this episode. Suggest me the topics you want to listen to by visiting my website. Thank you so much. Thank you.